Thank you all very much for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network. Free and available where you find folks get your podcast. Also, today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for your special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's right, guys. On today's episode, uh, Tuck coming, Tuck staying. That is right. He has signed his extension. <laughs> That's not the only fun either. Michigan State beats Loyola on a final play. That's right. Marcus Bingham, Marcus Hall. Marcus Hall, Malik Hall. Thank you very much. And last but not least, yes, we have Will Pegler on from Onward State to help us learn more about the Nittany Lions for this Saturday's game. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My fellow Spartan fans, thank you so much for listening to this episode. That's right. We have got, oh boy, howdy, G. Willikers, uh, excuse my French, but my goodness gracious. Uh, we have got quite the show for you today. It's been a lot of fun in these last 24 hours to be a Michigan State Spartan because uh, we've got Mel Tucker signing his extension. We have got Malik Hall going berserk and Marcus Bingham flushing home the win against Loyola. And then last but not least, yes, we have Will Pegler. Not to be mistaken with Will Pegler, the Michigan State running backs coach, but yes, Will Pegler of Onward State to help us break down this weekend's game. Before I go any further, guys, I um, just want to thank you for making Locked on Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked on Podcast Network. And not just because, you know, I'm supposed to say that and all that fun stuff, but hey, it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. If you're listening on this Thursday, my goodness gracious, I, I, I do not take it for granted that you're spending this holiday letting my voice fill your ears. Uh, I really do appreciate all you guys, and, um, no, really, I, yeah, having a slight moment right now, um, you, you guys are the best of all time, uh, it has been, oh boy, about four months now going solo, and it's been made awesome because of every single one of you, whether this is your first episode you've listened to, or you're a loyal listener, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I cannot thank you guys enough for making this show, you know, just a half hour of your lives every day or once a week or however often you listen to this show. I really, honest to God, you guys are the, the all-time best. But we already knew that because you're Spartan fans, and Spartan fans are the best. So uh, before going any further, uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Yes, this is Locked on Spartans. That's right, your team every single day, baby. Uh, I am Matt Sheehan, your host, and if you ever want to yell at me, ask me questions, uh, I, I, you want me to yell at you for whatever reason, Locked on Spartans at gmail.com is the place to find me. Um, guys, let's and 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 ladies, I'm sorry, I keep throwing guys out there as if it's all willy nilly. Ladies and gentlemen, I should say, let's get into it. Mel Tucker, thank God, has signed the highly reported extension of 10 years, 95 large stacks to Michigan State. Now, of course, there are going to be some, uh, whether it be anywhere from rival fans to, well, Michigan State fans, saying, well, this is strange. Okay, this is a quite 
astronomical deal that you're giving this guy. 10 years, 95 million. D didn't he just lose to Ohio State by 4,872 points? Yes, he did. Um... And more so, you know, you get the, the, the haters, the, the guys that are definitely not scared of Mel Tucker saying, oh, he's just getting paid for beating Michigan twice. Uh, okay, um, yeah, we could, I guess, play that game. Let's start from the beginning of his tenure. Okay, he comes in. And if you listen to this podcast, this might be your 85th rendition of hearing this, but he comes in. And, oh my goodness gracious, okay, cool, I get to visit kids for a week and a half and... COVID shuts everything down. This man can't recruit, can't really see his own team. And, oh, my goodness gracious, here we go. We have a two-win season ahead of us in the shortened COVID year. Now I will say, those two wins were probably some of the most fun wins you could have all year. One, well, beating Michigan. Um, that's right. 27-24, in case anyone forgot, last year as two-and-a-half touchdown underdogs. And then, yeah, you beat a top 15-ranked Northwestern team. Okay, so those are two good wins. But alas, wow, you have a lot to fix. You have a lot to fix. Quarterback situation ain't great. Defense is not good. Offense, okay, you know what? Eh, we'll, we'll keep it a stack. Still not good. In the offseason, you're just praying to God that he can hmm, go 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, which is what I thought he would do. 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, and five. Because... Listen, hey, point blank, uh, once again, going to be blunt this first segment. That roster he took over maybe finishes third in the MAC. It was not a good roster. It was... <laughs> I love Mark D'Antonio. I love him like a family member. With that said, the roster he left, Mel Tucker... Oh my goodness gracious, was not even competitive in the Big Ten. Not even competitive in like the third or fourth tier of the Big Ten. And you saw that the first game last year. You lost to Rutgers. Uh, Maryland canceled both their games. And probably a good thing they did because I don't know how well those games are going to go. Um, it was not good. And the second year rolls around and you're just hoping for a 500 season. And that is not just an expectation, but also that was a pretty good goal for Mel Tucker to have. In this season because, and you know what? I'm going to use my favorite figures of speech of all time. How do you eat an elephant? You do it one bite at a time. How do you claw your way to the top of the Big Ten? You do it one tier at a time. Mel Tucker takes over. He's in the basement. He's with the Rutgers of the world, the Maryland's of the world, the Illinois of the world. And, okay, so you hope to jump up to that third tier. You know, okay, well, I want to be with the Purdue's of the world, the Indiana's of the world, um, the, the, I don't know, if you want to call it Northwestern's of the world. They fluctuate between the second tier and the fourth tier, really, if we're going to be honest. Regardless, you want to go up one tier at a time because that, that's your best way to rebuilding. Guys, Mel Tucker, d despite the bad game that happened on Saturday, he's got the Spartans in that second tier by way of the transfer portal. He ushered nearly 30 kids, actually a little more than 30 kids, out of this program. He brought in about 25 kids last season. And yeah, some of those kids are Kenneth Walker. Oh, that's fun. That's right. Quaveris Crouch. Oh, you might have heard of him. That's right. Stud linebacker. Yeah, he, guys, he, he's got it done. He hasn't 
just eating an elephant one bite at a time. He's taken a munch out of that elephant. And now Michigan State, as it stands right now in the season, is in the second tier. Now, I know the last few weeks have not gone well, but you have to look at it. And this, like, yeah, it might come off as an excuse, but it's not an excuse. Like, it is an injury rattled team. I mean, <laughs> the receivers are gone. Uh, Kenneth Walker's hurt. Quaveris Crouch is hurt. Hell, like, both your kickers have some sort of injury. Anyway. Mel Tucker's got the ship going in the right direction. And also, and I'm not going to say without injury, Michigan State beats Ohio State. That's that's not true. Michigan State was going to get smoked by the Buckeyes no matter what. Um, With that said, I love what he said after the game. And it was no surprise to anyone that's paying a modicum of attention is that Mel Tucker said, we got to recruit better. Like, it's recruiting. We got to recruit better. We got to get better players here. And then in his following press conference, he said as much as before the season, I told my team, we have the guys to surprise people. That's the good news. The bad news is we don't really have the depth to do it. So really what he's saying is that he's looking at 100 guys in the practice field back in August and saying that, well, 60% of you really aren't, ain't, believe. And hey, you know what? It's brutal. It's a hard truth. But it's a truth that he's willing to face and willing to conquer. He knows that recruiting is the lifeblood of college football. Look at next year's recruiting class. Right now, they're in the top 20. And a lot of these guys commit before Michigan State even gets rolling this year. To have him have a top 20 class for 2022, he has no reason to do that. And I mean that in the good way. Like, Michigan State just came off of two wins. And now he's got a top 20 class. He's got a team that's 9-2 and two and could go 9-3 and three this weekend. Okay, well, yeah, he ends one of three on the year, which is what a lot of, you know, media headlines will have is that, oh, Michigan State gave him all this money, and then he went 1-3 and three to end the year. Okay. Smart people know that's not the same team that beat Michigan on October 30th, and also smart people know that well, yeah. Oh, oh no, nine and three, second year of Mel Tucker. Yeah, that's an incredible year. Listen, hey, yeah, if Michigan State loses this weekend, I'll be bummed. I'll yeah, I'll be a little disappointed that Citrus or Outback Bowl is our way to go. But then I take two steps back. I take two steps back and I look at the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, holy hell, that is an amazing year. Are you kidding me? This team won two games last year. They got smoked in a lot of the games they did not win last year. And now we're 9-3. We're looking up. We got a good recru- recruiting class. Mel Tucker's got the boys moving. Yeah. Give him $95 million a year. Give him the 10-year extension. No, this is a good thing that's happening to Michigan State. You guys probably already knew that. I definitely know that. And also, you know, I'm going to end it on this. How many times do you see a coaching hire, and within two years, you already know it's not going to happen. You already know it's not going to work. Okay, Michigan State, within two years, they could tell. Okay, Mel, yeah, you got things going in the right direction here. And also, with this insane, insane coaching search that is going to be going on this year, with LSU open, Florida open, USC open, no, we're not going to let you go anywhere. Here is nearly $100 million to be here for 10 years. Let's go riding, baby. Let's go. So, yeah. 
hey, I'm all on board. You guys should know this by now. I, I'm a huge Mel Tucker guy. And, uh, yeah, you know who else I'm a huge fan of? That's right. The Michigan State basketball team, specifically in the second half of their uh, MSU Loyola game. But, yeah, hey, first guys, got to talk to you fine folks about net suite. That's right. This is it. The putt to win the championship. If you sink it, it is all yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. This is how you're running your business? Are you kidding me? Poor visibility because you're relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software to see the full picture you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle that's right guys NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials inventory HR planning budgeting and a whole lot more NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place with NetSuite you can automate your processes close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses. I'll say that one more time. 93% of surveyed businesses. That's a big number. Increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind finance program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash N-C-A-A. Head to netsuite.com slash N-C-A-A. Sorry, netsuite.com slash locked on N-C-A-A for end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. One more time, guys, and I'm going to say it right this time. You all sitting down? That's right. I'm going to do ad read correct this time. NetSuite.com slash locked on NCAA. That's right, guys. NetSuite. Go get it. And before we start talking about MSU hoops, just want to thank you very much for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network, free and available where you find folks to get your podcast. So let's talk about that 63-61 to 61 Spartan win over Drew Valentine's Loyola Fighting Sister Jeans. That is right. Uh, what a game, first of all. Uh, wow. Uh, tale of two halves, that's for sure. Michigan State starts off hot, piping hot, and uh-oh. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're down 28 to 23 at the half. Uh, did not look too great for Michigan State. And oh, wow, crazy. Uh, it was turnovers that snake bit Michigan State in the first half. Yeah, uh, there was that seven minute stretch at the end of the half where there was one made basket against nine Spartan turnovers. Cool. However, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, we are here to talk about the one, the only, Malik Hall, baby. 24 points, never missed a shot. Oh my goodness gracious. That's right, Seton Hall, Malik Hall, from a few years ago, is back, going perfect on his field goal shooting. Uh, wow, what can be said about him? Well, well, a lot, actually, and we'll get to him in a little bit, but... Yeah, that was uh that, that was quite the game. And you know what? Shout out to uh, Drew Valentine. That's right, one-time graduate assistant of Tom Izzo and his team. Because just like we talked about yesterday, that is a Loyola team that is experienced as they return seven of their top eight players from last year's NCAA tournament darling team. And shoot the three-pointer pretty well on the season until, well, 
yesterday against Michigan State. Uh, so they went into the game shooting above 45%, and during the game they were held to 7 of 20 shooting, which is 35%. On the contrary, uh, Michigan State shot well, 6 of 14 from three-point, which isn't like, you know, lighting the world on fire. There's not a lot of three-pointers, but that still is 42.9%. Now, like I alluded to, Michigan State could not stop turning the ball over in the first half. They had 14 turnovers. 14 turnovers in the first half. And even after, you know, a win, it still peeves me a little bit. However, there is something to be said about this. They committed just six in the second half, which, you know, is like an average. But when it comes to Michigan State, you know, fine, six turnovers, I'll take it. Nah, what the hell. Um... There is also something to be said as well about Michigan State turning Loyola over a little bit. 14 turnovers for the Ramblers, which helps, certainly helps. But we're going to talk about individually what Michigan State did. Um, yeah, Malik Hall was sensational, and I think that he has earned his spot in the starting lineup. To start the season, yes, it was Joey Hauser starting, and then Malik Hall would spell him. But the last two games... Malik Hall has been the starter at the four position. And that's what Malik Hall we're looking for. Engaged. Energized. Making things happen. Will he go perfect from the field every single game? Of course not. That is insane for anyone to go perfect from the field unless you're going like two for two shooting, three for three shooting. No, like Malik lit the world on fire tonight with 24 points, never missing a shot. Like he... That's very hard to replicate. However, with that said, just the way he was playing, that's what you want to see from your starter at the four. Rebounding. He's got seven rebounds. Just hitting it from all over the place, whether mid-range, driving, some fadeaways. Like, Malik lit the world on fire. He was awesome. Love that from him. Oh, man, and speaking of loving things from guys, well, let's talk about another guy that's been here for seemingly 12 years, Marcus Bingham Jr., and we talked about this yesterday, is that, yeah, Loyola lacks, like, physicality. They lack size. They lack length. Marcus Bingham, okay, 11 points, solid, nine rebounds, and he was a block machine. He could not stop going up there and just batting balls out of the air. Um, let's see here. I lost my spot, but yeah, seven blocks. Seven blocks. Three within the first three minutes of the game. And things got a little hairy, too, to start the game. Uh, MSU goes off in their 9-0 run, and then, oh my goodness gracious, Tyson Walker and Marcus Bingham are sent to the bench. Why are they sent to the bench? Okay, well, yeah, after the three, four minutes stretch to open the game, if my eyes saw correctly, Bing was a little winded after that <laughs> stretch there. So, yeah, he, he needed a little rest. But, no, awesome game from him. Once again, once again, seven blocks, two steals, nine rebounds, 11 points. Look at you. No three-point attempts, which you guys know is my favorite part of that game. But, again, like that's just the kind of game that Michigan State was looking for from him because Loyola doesn't really have that length to go up against Bingham with. He's been awesome so far this year. I mean, I, yeah, it's it's been sensational. And uh, another guy that's had a good game, which is weird because, well, he was only on the court for 20 minutes because he was in foul trouble. 
You guys know where we're going with this? It's Gabe Brown. 20 minutes. Yeah, he only played half the game. He was sent to the bench with a little over 10 minutes left in the first half because he got two quick fouls. And then immediately when the second half started, hey, guys, Gabe Brown back in the game. I'm going to commit another foul. Um, I'm not going to rip on Gabe too much for that because, well, his second foul in the first half, <laughs> okay, we got a little floppy toppy there by Loyola, but I digress. He lit it up. Uh, three of six shooting, not just from the field, but also from three-point land. Yes, that is right for nine points. And, hey, by all accounts, that's a pretty decent game. Nothing too special. But I will have to point out some intangibles here. The mood on the court when Gabe is in the game is the mood we want to see. He brings the leadership. For the most part, this is still a team that is looking for a leader when Gabe is not on the court. And I think we saw that in the first half as well. Did not look too great. Um, Gabe is sensational. Uh, he is the leader of this team. And we saw it in the first game too. And <laughs> honestly, we saw too much in the first game because he was pretty wound up in the first game. A little maybe too much going on here where he was uh, just over-energized, getting way, way, way too much in his head where he thought that he had to do way more than he actually had to. But this is the game that we want to see. I mean, hey, I would rather have a guy too wound up than not wound up enough. And, well, we, we saw the, the higher end of Gabe Brown today, that leadership on the court. And also, well, a silky smooth three-point jumper. Yeah, that, that's going to play too. No, love what we saw from him. Max Christie, rough game. Rough game. One for six, shooting two points, three turnovers. However, and you know what? This doesn't show up in the box score, but his defense is solid. For a true freshman especially, for a guy that's known to be scoring, uh, yeah, no, that's a, a solid game from him. I know it wasn't the best game in the world that you're going to see. When the season ends, you're going to look back on all of his game logs and box scores and be like, ugh. Loyola game kind of stunk out loud. Well, no, not really. Like, Loyola has, at any time of the game, four wings that could score at any time. And, well, Max Christie locked on his guy more times than not. So, we went through everyone that had a solid game. And, you know, listen, there's still is concern on the team. Joey Hauser, three turnovers, one of two shooting. Yes, he is back from injury, so I, I guess if you want to give him leeway there, go ahead. But let's just say it's clear that Malik Hall has that four position locked up. And I'm not the biggest fan of Hauser so far this year because, well, he didn't necessarily end last year on too hot of a note. Uh, defense, whenever he was on defense, he got scored at will. Whenever he put the ball on the floor, you're either waiting for him to, well, just dribble it into someone else's foot, dribble it into traffic, or punch it out for a pass that just makes no sense. But here's the other issue. Who else is going to play the four? No, really, like, give me a name. Who else is going to play the four? Like, it, it is Hall and Hauser. Like, that's just pretty much who you have. Like, so... Listen, I, I know that, and I, 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 hand up, hand up, I, I'm part of this team. A lot of people are calling for Hauser to stop playing. Please, Tom, I'm begging you to stop playing Hauser, but can you? Can you? I, like, I don't know if Marble's going to stretch out to the four. Is Sissoka, you want him to play the four? I, I guess when it gets down to the end of the season, okay, uh, Gabe Brown steps down to the four. I, 
that that's the thing though. You only have so many limited guys to play there, and that's the situation MSU ran into last year with their five position. Is that okay? You got some fives, so like you have Bingham, Kithier, Sissoko, Marble. Your biggest problem is is that none of those four guys can actually stretch out and play the four. And now that's why you're left with Malik Hall, who is, oh my God, by and large, incredible. You'd be insane to catch me saying anything bad about him after that game. Or Joey Hauser, who, since last Christmas, yikes, uh, not looking too great. Um, yeah, so, hey, listen, if, if, if you were here listening to this podcast, uh, you're probably thinking, well, Hauser, he can't play 17 minutes. Well, sure, sure he can. Someone has to. And I'm not justifying that as a good thing at all. It's just a matter of fact. So, yeah, that's, uh, hey, there was a lot of good in that game. Beating a good Loyola team by two points. Um, but, yeah, there's also some things to be concerned about a little bit. Um, also, if you're looking to be more concerned about things, let's look at uh, tomorrow's game, or tonight's game, I'm sorry, if you're listening on Thanksgiving Day. And I'll be quick through this game because I know that we've got this Penn State preview coming up and you might be listening after this game is over. But, yeah, UConn went to double overtime with Auburn. They won 115-109. to UConn has been on fire to start the year. They got one of the best offensive efficiency teams in the nation, they got one of the best defensive efficiency teams in the nation as well. They forced 15 turnovers, actually, out of Auburn, which, considering for two overtimes, isn't that bad. Which is interesting because UConn is very good at turning teams over. I think they turn teams over at just under a 20% clip, which is, yeah, that's going to be top 10 in the nation. And Michigan State, well, as we saw in the first half against Loyola, there is nothing they love more than turning the ball over. So it is going to be a great game. Uh, Adama Sanogo, he is a fantastic forward for UConn. So fantastic, well, he decided to score 30 points against Auburn. Uh, and RJ Cole, their leading guard, that's right, 24 points, 6 assists against the Auburn Tigers. So, yeah, hey, Kevin Ollie's gone, unfortunately. So it uh, doesn't mean we're here to see underwhelming UConn teams. And by that, I mean... They underwhelmed once they were done beating Michigan State, as you all know. But yeah, no, it's this is a fantastic UConn team. And uh, dare I say UConn's back? Well, it's up to Spartans to decide that. Let's make sure that they're not back. But eh, until then, let's uh, let's enjoy Thanksgiving. It's better to watch than the Lions game. That's for sure. No doubt about that. But yeah, and speaking of football, we will be getting to a Michigan State, Penn State preview. But first, I need to talk to you fine folks about betonline.ag. That's right, guys. It's Thanksgiving. As we all know it, that means football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered for all the holiday seasons, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to the new updated web. Site. Oh my goodness, I lost my track there. I'm sorry. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus. That's right, nailed it, baby. Just use locked on to receive that bonus. That's right, that's locked on, all one word, and that gets you that 50% welcome bonus. And it's not just football, guys. Betting 
Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, and do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Guys, we're talking betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. It's Bet Online. We are stuffed with deals for Thanksgiving. And also, speaking of stuffed, Bill Bar is stuffed with greatness. And they're also stuffed with Black Friday deals. I'll just get right to it right now. Use promo code LOCKED20 at Built.com. That's going to get you 20% off anything at Built.com. Guys, you've heard us talk about Built Bar for quite some time. It is the best tasting protein bar. It's not just good on your taste buds, but it is great on your body and great on your wallet. With one, Once again, I'll say it, Built.com. Promo code LOCKED20, 20% off your order. And, you know, you got all the, the staples of the flavors, the, the the classics, if you will. But also, this week, guys, you don't want to miss this. They've got some new flavors like Ruby Chocolate Puff. Their puff line, oh my goodness gracious, it, it, the goat, the goat, it is the best. Uh, so go get yourself some Ruby Chocolate Puffs, some Lemon Dipped Cheesecake Puffs, and also the Built Crave bar that's right they're mashing two candy bars into one it is so good so good the crave bar has 160 calories 17 grams of protein low in fat low in sugar guys it is the greatest so head to built.com smash in promo code locked 20 and get 20 percent off of your built bar order one more time guys I'll, I'll, I'll say it i'll say it one more time that's right i'll do it right now built.com promo code locked 20 to get 20% off your first order. All right, guys, let's learn more about this game this Saturday, shall we? Folks, we've got a massive game coming up this Saturday, and of course that calls for some massive coverage from an awesome student newspaper. That's right, over in Happy Valley. We are talking about Onward State, and yes, we plucked out the associate editor, the guy who has managed their football coverage since 2019. We're talking Will Pegler right now. Not to be mistaken with Will Pegler, of Michigan State's football staff, but Will Pegler of Onward State. Will, how you doing, man? Thanks a lot for joining. How's it going, man? Thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate it. So let's get right into it. Before we talk about this game, though, I want to start broad. What's the vibe on the whole season like from the Penn State fan base? Like, has it been a dud of a year, in your opinion, since it's going to be a seven or eight win season? Or is that kind of what Penn State figured this year was going to be? Just beating all the teams you should, losing to the tough ones. If you take out that Illinois game, of right, course. Right, right, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, I think um, I think entering the season, I don't know if expectations were extremely high, to be honest with you, just based on – I think people knew 2020 was kind of uh, not not a year that didn't count or anything, but kind of uh, – Wonky. A yeah. lot of uh, wonky, yeah, exactly. So yeah. A, a lot of stuff, a lot of outside stuff was happening. So I think people had fairly high expectations. And I think after um, the Wisconsin and Auburn wins, I think, you know, the vibe was like this could be a, this could be a special year. Um, so I think, I think the expectations were high, like four or five weeks in. And then, um, once off, obviously Clifford goes down against Iowa, I think that that kind of tempered people's expectations. And then since the Illinois loss, I think that's kind of been, you said it, it I think that's kind of been like the, all right, it's going to be a, not, not necessarily a dud of a year, but kind of a, a strange year, um, with a couple of weird losses mixed in. And like you said, beating people, you should. So I think expectations were high early on in the season after a few games. And then um, they definitely have been tempered since then. And let me just be the 57th guy to ask you this question this week, but 
point blank. What, what's the deal with Sean Clifford? Is, is he playing this week? Has he been jumped by uh, his backup, whose name, of course, I can't pronounce? Is it Velo? Am I saying that Ve- right? Or... Veyu. Christian Veyu. Yep. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take it. Whatever. Sure. All right. Uh, C-minus effort. But, yeah. So, what, what what is the deal with the quarterback situation going on here? Yeah. So, this weekend was we- – this past weekend against Rutgers, I, like, half the team had the flu. I don't know if you guys saw all that. But, um, so, Sean played, like, the first series. And, actually, James Franklin had his press conference um, – today's Tuesday. He had it about, like, an hour ago, his weekly press conference. And he said um, – they, so Sean was like, they thought he could go um, against Rutgers. They even had like a silent, silent cadence for him because he had such a sore throat he couldn't talk. Um, so obviously oh, it was just crazy. So they they took him out. He doesn't play. Um, so right now what James said is Sean is is back to healthy. He's doing first team reps. Christian is taking second team reps. Um, so I, I would expect Sean to go, to be honest with you. Um but I think the the, the interesting thing is going to be, you know, the first sign of any struggles against the Spartans in East Lansing this weekend. You know, Twitter, it's going to be like, you know, put in value. He's the guy. Yeah. Um, which I think is, you know, tough to say. I mean, it was, it was senior day and it was, you know, the last home game and a lot of people were home. So it was kind of a weird vibe in Beaver Stadium. You're playing Rutgers. So, you know, Veyu played well, but um, obviously, you know, that's a much different environment than, you know, a road environment for the last last game of the regular season. So. No, right on. And listen, like Michigan State, that's a team that does a lot of good things. Like, I, I love our Spartans. I think we're very good. Unfortunately, one thing that we're really good at is letting opposing receivers just have the day of their lives against us. And, of course, what a great candidate. But in Jihad Dodson over there at Penn State, only five foot eleven, so it's not like, you know, physicality or size as his specialty. So take it from here. What, what makes him incredibly special as a receiver for Penn State? Um, for me, I think, um, people might say KJ Hamler, but he's, he's the best receiver I've seen as a student at Penn state and and in my time covering the team. I mean, his hands are unreal. I think that's really the biggest thing. He does not drop the football. I mean, he's had a couple catches this year that kind of people have even forgotten about because they were only like 10 yard gains. There were small catches, but he's had a few plays where like, I don't know how he brings the ball in. I think, I think in my opinion, that's really what separates him. Um, and his speed, like you said, he's not, you know, crazy tall. He's not crazy strong. Yeah. Um, he's only five eleven. but I mean, the, the way he's able to, to, you know, break away from defenses, even, even if he's double covered, if he gets, if he gets open field, um, it just feels like he always finds a way to get open. And, and even if it's not a perfect throw, he's, he's able to make the catch. So I think that's, that's really what stands out to me. Just the improvement he's made in terms of his hands since, since he's gotten here. And, I mean, kind of on a good note for us state fans over here is that it looks like Penn State's run game has not been anything stellar so far this season. Is that kind of just because the offensive line themselves isn't doing great? Is it the talent at running back? Is it, of course, maybe a cocktail of both? Or how do you just read the whole running game struggles for Penn State? For sure. I think I think it's definitely um, the latter, like you said, kind of both. I mean, Penn State's had – they've it feels like they've been trying to figure out the offensive line situation for a while now. Um, they've had a ton of different offensive line coaches, even in the past few years. Um, Phil Trout- Troutwine, he, he came in ahead of the 2020 season um, and they've gotten a few solid recruits, but um, I think it's, I think it's a mix of both. You know, the offensive line has had its struggles. I, I don't know if you saw, they allowed seven sacks to a great Michigan defensive line, um, which was ugly. Um, but also too, the, the running backs just haven't, um, you know, Noah Kane, he had a big freshman year. He, he missed, um, this past the 2020 season with a with a lower body injury that they never really specified, he really hasn't looked like himself. To be honest with you, just in terms of hitting holes, um, running hard, really what made him different as a freshman, just a big physical guy. We really haven't seen that version of him this year, which has been a struggle, obviously. And then Kevon Lee is the other guy who um, kind of has 
carried the load. He and Noah have gotten a ton of, ton of kind of split carries, especially against Rutgers. They split carries. Um, but it just feels like in terms of with the offensive line, giving them space to run, that's been a struggle, but also just guys getting into rhythms and, and hitting holes hard. It feels like we've, the Penn state has really kind of lacked that this year. And, and outside of Kevon and, and, um, and Noah Kane, I should have mentioned John Lovett. Um, gotcha. He's a guy that transferred from Baylor who a lot of people kind of expected to be a difference maker this year. He had a, a really yeah. stellar career at Baylor for four years. He, he played a lot over the course of his four years there, but he hasn't really gotten into a rhythm. So kind of long story short, it's, it's, it's been both. It's a mix of, of offensive line struggles and just running backs really for some reason, just not being able to get into a rhythm. And I'm glad you brought Love it up too, because yeah, like he, he was fine at Baylor. He was more than fine at Baylor. I thought he was awesome. So yeah, I just fascinated that it really just hasn't worked out at Penn State. So that's um, wonky. But hey, I'm not gonna complain about it. He was, you guys walk into our house on Saturday, right. so yeah, it's more the merrier. Um, on quite the contrary, uh, who is walking into Spartan Stadium is the best scoring defense in the Big Ten. Uh, point blank, what's the best position group on the Penn State Nittany Line defense? Well, for me, I think it's got to be the safeties right now. A lot of people like to talk talk okay. about the linebackers as well, but um, Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown have been have been awesome. I mean, Brisker is is going to be a, a high pick this year, in my opinion. Um, if he's not first round, I think I could see him going second or third. But um, him and, and Jair Brown, they actually they both transferred from Lackawanna College, um, a junior college in, in Pennsylvania, and they've been they've had value right away. I mean, they're Jaquan. He's been playing since 2019. He's he's really the guy on defense this year. They're everywhere. They've made they made a couple of huge plays in the Wisconsin win. It feels like in every in all the early season big wins Penn State had, Brisker and Jair Brown were, were making huge plays. Um, so for me, that's that's the group I highlight first. Um, but obviously at Penn State, linebackers are, are always solid. Um, Brandon Smith is a guy that stands out. He was a five star prospect back when he was getting recruited. Um, Ellis Brooks is another veteran who who really has just he. It seems like he always finishes with like he's one of those guys. He finishes with like twelve tackles and you don't even realize it. You know. Um, so I think those, those are some of the names that pop out right away. Um, PJ Mustafer is a guy, he's a, he was a, a stud defensive tackle who went down against Iowa. Actually, he had a season ending injury, but guys have really been able to fill in for him, um, on the interior. And then on the edge, a guy like Arnold Abichetti, another transfer, he came from temple, but he's been super fun to watch as well. So, um, I know you, safeties were the ones I listed first, but there's, there's a lot of names on the defense that have, have, have stood out this year. No doubt. I was, I was going to say that that's beyond fair to go off and name so many guys because yeah, Penn state's defense is pretty incredible so far this year. I mean, it hasn't been a sterling season, but I mean, it hasn't been a bad season. Right. Needless to say, um, what is not going well for Michigan state recently is a lot of injuries and specifically on offense. Listen, left yep. tackles gone. Uh, Naylor, uh, most likely out Reed probably out for this game. Uh, Peyton Thorne quarterback. He's got enough stacked against him with all those injuries. To add on top of it, how is the Penn State pass rush? Is it is it dangerous? Is it not as good as you think it should be? Or like just scare me about the Penn State's pass rush, or don't? It's up to you. I mean, just yeah, right. tell me how it is. <laughs> well, I think um, in terms of guys that to look out for, Ebiketti on the edge. Like I said, he's he's been. I mean, even right away against Wisconsin, I remember we 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 went to that game and we were sitting in the press box, and right away we could see him coming off the edge and, and getting quarterback hurries right away, and we're like, all right. This Perfect. guy's going to be a difference maker. Um, right. But so Evan Ketty is one guy, but then um, another one, Jesse Lucetta. I don't know how familiar you guys are with him. He's been a linebacker at Penn State for a while, but he's kind of – he switched to like a defensive end linebacker hybrid. Um, so those are two guys off the edge that that have had good years. I don't think – neither of them are like leading the conference statistically. Um, I think that's that goes to Michigan's defensive line. They're, they're awesome, obviously. I'm sure, sure you know that. Um, but 
No, I mean it's a, it's a solid pass rush, and I think, like you said, with all the injuries, I think it 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 will be something to watch just from just from Michigan State's offense. I know. I'm sorry, I'm not completely 100 percent aware, but Kenneth Walker. I know Mel Tucker. I think he's kind of like James Franklin in terms of giving information on injuries, but. Yeah, you you never hear anything from him. Um, just b- based on you know, hey, he was able to get six touches against Ohio State. I'm sure he would have been used more if MSU wasn't losing by eight thousand points in the <laughs> second quarter. So I think he will go, but just I mean, top of my head assumption like sixty or seventy percent of Kenneth mm-hmm. Walker, which is still a pretty damn good player. So we'll we'll take awesome, it here. I mean, He's, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I mean it's been. Um, kind of just talking about the defensive line. That's one position where it seems like Penn state for better or for worse has played to its competition all year. So it's played up, it played up against Ohio state It hung with Ohio state to their credit. Um, and then like the Illinois game, they let up, I think 350 rushing yards to Illinois. I mean, it was incredible. I don't know how it happened. So, (laughs) and I think they're Illinois. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on his name, but they're starting running back chase, um, chase Brown. I think his name is, um, he had like 200 rushing yards. So it's just, it's kind of it depends on who you, what what Penn State defensive line you get. So I I could see Kenneth Walker even like you said not full health. I could see him feasting yeah. honestly, despite uh, you know the injuries to Naylor um, and that stuff going on. So yeah. it, 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 it's going to be fun to watch. I mean I, I know I think Vegas has it as it's going back and forth with like a one point line right now. So. Yeah, they keep trading who's favored by just one point. So yeah. with that said though, kind of on that note, and listen, it's very early in the week. It's Tuesday, full transparency for anyone listening right now on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. So right now as we're talking, it's early in the week. But do you have a prediction for this game? Feel free to pass the buck too if you don't have a prediction. Uh, that's, that's happened on this podcast before where people aren't comfortable with that. So sure. I mean, yours I- if you have a guess for this Saturday. I don't have a score off the top of my head. I could I could think of one, but I think we, we do we do our um we do like our overreaction Monday post on Onward State and one of them was like people are people are like, oh Penn State, one of that one of the things being floated around was Penn State will find a way to beat Michigan State. Um I honestly don't think Penn State will. I don't have a false I don't have a score in mind, but the story of the year has been I've seen them they they hang with everybody. I already I, I said it, but they they really for better or for mm-hmm. worse, they've they've played to their competition. I think they will do that. But the difference has been making the big plays down the stretch, and I just I don't I don't see Penn State doing that. I I know they have Jahan Dotson is obviously a difference maker, but we James Franklin has talked about it. You know, there's five or six plays in a game that you have to make down the stretch, and against Michigan, against Ohio State, Penn State didn't make those plays, um, and I don't I don't see that changing this weekend, unfortunately for the Nittany Lions. So I see Michigan State winning in a very close game. <laughs> See, um, yeah, I'm, I'm even more glad we had Jan now because my mind space has not been in, in, in a good one <laughs> so far this week with all the injuries and coming off of a, a, a 49 point loss to Ohio State. So you know what? That makes me feel a little better. Will, thank you so much for that. And uh, yeah, hey, thanks for coming on too, man. Really do appreciate it. Where, where can the fine people find you on Twitter or just where, wherever you're at? Yeah, but sh- shout it out. Where can we all? At? For sure, for sure. So onward, onward, state. Will we have live coverage on Twitter um, throughout the game? We won't be there in person in East Lansing, but we'll have live tweets for you as we're keeping up with the broadcast on ABC. I believe it is. Um, and yep. my personal Twitter, you can follow me. It's it's grit dude. So G R I T. Love that. Love that. <laughs> So yeah, get, definitely that. give me a follow. Um, if you, I know you, it's ever it's Michigan State folks, but uh, if you have any any interest in Penn State, head over to my account and uh, give me a follow. So yeah, I, I appreciate you letting me give the shout out. Right on, man. Well, hey, well, thanks a lot, man. Really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, enjoy your Thanksgiving, and yeah, hope, hope you enjoy the Saturday as well. So at least it'll be summer warm, as I'm just freezing my you know what off in <laughs> 20 degree weather and sunny yeah. East Lansing, baby. So yeah, yeah. there you go. Thanks a lot, Will.
You too, man. Thanks very much for having me. And thank you, Will Pegler, for joining us for that awesome breakdown and for well, making me feel better about Saturday's game, no doubt about it. Um, and also, I just want to thank you guys one more time as we head into Thanksgiving. Thank you guys for making Locked on Spartans your first listen every single day and just for being an awesome listener base. You guys are truly the best. And if you are looking for a second podcast to listen to on this fine day, check out Locked on Bets. That's right, Locked on Bets. With expert analysis from your boy Q and Lee Sterling, that is locked on bets. All right, guys, we will be back. I'm sorry, not tomorrow, but on Monday, we'll be breaking down the Michigan State-Penn State game. Hopefully it goes well. And, uh, yeah, just everything going on with Michigan State, basketball, football, life. That's right. All right, guys, love you all. Go Green.